And especially in times like this where we don't really have control over great big giant things, but we do have control over how neat our knicker drawer is. And mine <laughs> is a thing of beauty and joy. <laughs> it's so neat. This week on Walking the Dog, I chatted to one of the most adored faces on TV. It's only Lorraine Kelly. We didn't do it in person because of lockdown. And we're highly responsible citizens, I'll have you know. So instead, Lorraine and I caught up on the phone whilst walking our dogs separately. She was with her Border Terrier, Angus, in Berkshire, and I was with Raymond in North London. Lorraine talked about wanting to be a fighter pilot when she was growing up. I can so see her in those aviators bossing the skies. How she got into TV as a local news reporter. She told me all about her husband Steve and her daughter Rosie. And we also touched on why Piers Morgan refers to Lorraine as an iron fist in a velvet glove. Lorraine also told me about her book Shine, which is a really life-affirming read and I thoroughly recommend it. And I need to drop in that she's very proud to be the face of Tales.com, which is a food subscription service for dogs, where everything is tailor-made and delivered to your door. So check them out. It was a fairly blustery day, so apologies if you can hear the odd gust blowing through our mics, but look, it's a small price to pay to hear the LK. The woman is just a total joy. She should be available on the NHS. Sort it out now, someone. Please rate, review and subscribe if you enjoyed our chat. Here's Lorraine. I'm just coming to, to pick Angus up because Steve's had him out this morning. This wee dog oh. has never had more exercise in all his and life. And Steve is um, your other half. He is. Hi, Angus. Hello, baby. <laughs> I know so Steve funny. didn't get a hello. Uh, no, he's all. Well, Angus has run up to see me, so he's fine. <laughs> Come on, wee baby. He's going crazy. He's going nuts. I know. I know, baby. I know. I know. I know. I think we might put your lead on because you're most likely to, to run over. Do you know, when that. Lorraine was saying, I know, baby, I know, I fantasised <laughs> that she was my mother then, and it felt really nice. <laughs> so, this is Walking the Dog. I'm Emily Dean, and I'm not here in person with, because me and my guest are both responsible individuals and we're social distancing, but I'm on the phone with, while we're both on our separate dog walks, I'm going to go full on national treasure, Lorraine <laughs> Kelly. And I'm just walking by the banks of the Thames. I live near Maidenhead. Um, oh, and there's some fantastic walks here all around sort of Cookham, Cookham Dean, where we used to live years ago. So we know it quite well. And it's just lovely. And it's actually, it's actually, I don't know what I would do without this dog. He's just brilliant. The only thing is at the moment, he looks a little bit like a burst couch because <laughs> he was due to be stripped. He's a border terrier and he was due to be stripped and of course, we've not been able to do that. So he's no. just a big ball of fluff. He looks a bit three times the size that he really is. And Angus, you know, he's part of your your routine in a way as well. Oh, isn't he's, he? he's basically my son. He's the son that I never had. And he's just, he is so much part of our family. And he needs a lot, you know, he's got bundles and bundles of energy, so much energy. And he needs, you know, he really needs to be walked and to be exercised. and. He, we used to put him to, I mean, he honestly is like a child, but used to put him to this wee place like once a week so that he could meet other dogs. Um, yeah. And he would get, he'd get loads of friends. So I think he's quite missing that. <laughs> I'm with Ray in North London and we're in a park near here and he's meeting, he's just met someone. So oh. I'm going to leave them to chat. Because yeah, I, I think so. They meet friends, Lorraine. Oh, I it's so it cute. It's, so do I. And they just, I let, they do this thing though. I don't know if, if he does it, but Angus does this kind of Mexican standoff and sometimes just <laughs> eyes them up for ages. And Why then, of course, they go that? crazy and run about. I know, or, or sometimes he lies down, sometimes, and he's, he does yoga as well. He does, he's a yoga dog, he does downward dog, he does, he has this mad sort of pose where he, he just sort of, he's like a sphinx. Very strange, <laughs> very strange. But he's a cracking oh, wee dog, he's just funny and he's got a great sort of temperament, you know. And yeah. like I say, he would walk all day. I mean, we've had him out. For miles and miles and miles, not so much now because we're only allowed out once a day. Um, yeah. But before all of this, he would keep going all day. You know, we've had him up in Orkney and you're obviously <laughs> keeping him on the lead, but he loves he loves it up in the islands, he loves it up in Orkney and he loves the fresh air and he just gets all excited and it's great. You see, the, jo the joy, it's the joy of dogs, isn't it? And when oh. I get back from work, 
that enthusiastic welcome. I mean, I could have been away for two oh, minutes I love or it. two weeks. Is this proof we're middle-aged that it used to be the joy of sex, now it's the joy of dogs? Also, oh, for Absolutely. Or the joy of food. <laughs> <laughs> it's, more about what you it's more about what you're having for your tea than what you're going to get up to, that's for sure. <laughs> Did you always love Border Terriers? Because Angus is a Border Terrier. And you, you'd have yeah, I mean, Angus, is that we right? did. We had lovely, lovely Rocky who was smashing. He was a great weedle. We're just at this special place that he likes by the river, so <gasps> I'm going to have to let him go in. He likes to swim and obviously he likes to drink the really disgusting river water rather yeah. than the nice water <laughs> out the tap. And he always goes for the bit of the river that's full of mud and rolls about in it, of course. Um, but yeah, he loves that. He's, right now, he's actually swimming in the river, believe it or not. But he's fine. I'm keeping it. an eye on him. And he doesn't go out too far. He doesn't go out too far at all. And he sort of more paddles a wee bit. But he, he really enjoys it. It's really, Listen, it's really funny to watch. If I lived with Lorraine Kelly, I would not be straying too far from home. I'd know I'd locked out. He's looking so at the So tell dogs. me, Lorraine, about the Border Terrier thing. Because, yeah, so your other dog, you'd lost Rocky. Yeah, oh, Rocky was smashing dog. Absolutely brilliant. We had him when Rosie was little. Um, Steve's a cameraman, and he used to work in a show called Vets in Practice. I don't know if you remember it. Smashing show. And he was, because um, Rosie was saying, oh, yeah, you know, she really wanted a dog. And we were really, you know, we thought, yeah, that'd be great. And it was all the vets actually said to Steve, Border Terriers are your best bet because they're great with kids, great yeah. personality. You know, they're full of energy and they're very loyal and they're good fun. Yeah. So, yeah, that's why that's why we went for, for Border Terrier. And we were so lucky with Rocky. He was a smashing, smashing wee dog. Um, but when, when he died, I really, it was really hard because I, I thought to myself, well, I do, you know, I would like another dog, but you never replace them, do you? You don't no. replace them because you can't, you know, you can't replace a person, so you can't replace a dog. But we knew eventually we would want another one. And when finally that I moved down here and I wasn't commuting up and down to Scotland all the time, and we, you know, because you can't, that's not fair on the dog. You've got to make sure that your lifestyle suits, suits the dog. Yeah. Did you have dogs, because you grew up in Glasgow. Yeah, I did. I grew up in the Gorbals, actually. So we had a wee one, now it'd be called a, a bijou studio flat, but it was actually called a single end. It was just one room uh, for yeah. me and my mum and dad. And we never, no, we never had dogs. My mum wasn't a big fan. And of course, has turned out to be the biggest fan of all of Angus and adores them, you know, so it's, it's quite strange. So I said, we used to have dogs growing up, but my mum and dad both worked. And again, it's not fair. You've always got to consider, consider your course. wee dog. Come on, baby. Come on, darling. Come on. Good boy. Good boy. Oh, you're so clever. Your mum, I was fascinated to read this, Lorraine, because I read your book, Shine, which I really recommend people read because oh, I found it so life affirming. It's, you know, your thoughts and lessons for life. Yeah. Really. It's like a mate saying to you, look, this is what I tried. That's how I read it. And That's exactly I, what I was hoping for. That's exactly yeah. what I wanted to do because it's like, yeah. you know, I turned 60 and I thought I've learned all this stuff over the years and it would be quite nice to kind of give to give some of that back a wee bit, you know, because there's no point in amassing knowledge or, or, or amassing experience and then not passing it on. It just seems a wee bit daft not to do that. Well, I loved it because there was things like there's exercises you can do and I did some of them. <laughs> and it's things like list your most negative qualities and then list why they're good. Exactly. Put the, put the good spin on it, which is great. I was interested to read more about your sort of childhood in that book because... I didn't realise, you know, that you, your mum was really young when she got oh, pregnant gosh, she was with a, you, wasn't she? She was a baby, I think she was 17, which is so young, so, so young. Now, the thing about it was, which was good for me growing up, was my mum and dad eh, were into things like the Beatles and the Rolling Stones, and my mum wore miniskirts and, you know, beehives and Mary Quant makeup and all of that. So, whereas most of my friends' mums and dads were a bit sort of, I guess you could say, fuddy duddy. You know, sort of very yeah. much, my mum and dad were very much the 60s, even though I was born in 1959. Yeah. And my parents, my, my friends' parents were the 50s. You know, they were kind yeah. of, they were kind of black and white and my mum and dad were in colour. I think it was how, that's how I, I sort of thought about it. You know, that's the way it seemed to me. You know, my mum and dad, it was like, we would dance to Dusty Springfield and my dad fixed televisions. So that seemed terribly glamorous, you know. And we were one of the first ones to get a colour telly. In the really? days where there was like three channels and you had to get up off your bottom to, to, switch the to switch the telly over. You had to get up and switch it over. Can you imagine? Because <laughs> <laughs> your grandmother, your mum's mum, she, yeah, I was interested to hear that she was not keen for your mum to have the kid, which I guess is understandable. No. The kid. Sorry, you, no. right? <laughs> yeah. You, know me. 
No, that's true. My gran was all in favour of my mum uh, coming down south and maybe, you know, me being given up for adoption. But it was really my mm. dad who said, absolutely not. You know, he was, I mean, he was from the Gorbals, you know, from a, I guess what, I mean, for me, it was, I had a great childhood and I, and I, I, I was very lucky. Um, but yeah, my dad just said to my gran, no, I'm sorry, we're getting married and that's it. And my gran was really formidable. Will you stop grabbing that lead, you cheeky wee monkey? <laughs> he does this quite a the lot. Lorraine's not talking to me, by the way. That's Angus. <laughs> that's Angus, that's Angus. Come on, baby. So Good that boy. must have taken, your dad, that makes me think that your dad has quite a, a strong character in some ways. To be a 17-year-old yeah. boy and to... Stand up to it, someone from an older generation and say, I'm... Yeah, I'm and a very, old, very you know. formidable, yeah, very formidable lady. It was, yeah. it took a lot, and and, I, and thank goodness he did. It's one of those sort of sliding door things that you don't know what your life would have been like. I mean, who knows? It's really, it's quite strange. It was like, I remember when I was about 10, so that would have been 69, my mum and dad eh, were thinking about going to Australia. You know, they had that thing, they were called 10 pound palms. And you paid £10 and you went in a boat oh, that took yeah. forever and a day and made a new life for yourself in Australia. And they thought about it. And I think in the end, my mum didn't really want to leave her family. And, you know, they, they ended up staying there. And I often think about yeah. that, about how those decisions by your parents could completely change your life. You know, it's quite, it's quite yeah. remarkable. It was like, they really wanted me to go to university. And I would have been the first one. Big, big deal, you know, in a working class family. I would have been the first one to go to uni and my mum would have got that picture on her mantelpiece, you know, with the, with the scroll and the hat and the cloak. And I went straight into local news, my local and newspaper always instead. always with a slightly horrible background. Into it's my... horrible grey brown. Yeah. <laughs> so I went to my local newspaper, the East Bride News, because that's what I always wanted to do, you know, I always wanted to... Well, actually, I wanted to be an astronaut and then a fighter pilot, but that didn't work out. Uh, so I ended up being a journalist oh, Hold up, Lorraine, Lorraine Kelly, we're not passing, we're not glossing over that detail. He wants to be a fighter pilot. I think that shows yeah. a lot of ambition, and I always use that in a positive sense. You should always be allowed to follow your path and not feel that you're supposed to do this or supposed to do that. But back in the 70s, I mean, our careers advisor, when I said, I wanted to join the RAF and be a pilot, and they just laughed. I mean, they literally laughed. And of course, now it's all changed, and we've got women in the Red Arrows, which is, which is the best thing ever. I love to see that. Oh, well, I have a theory about that, Lorraine, which is yeah. I think people who make a success of their careers, I think whatever they did, do you know what I mean? I don't really believe in that. So I think had you been a fighter pilot, had you, you were aiming pretty high, you know, for a girl in a one room in the baubles. <laughs> but do you think your parents instill, what do you think you got from them, like your mum and dad as oh, individuals? Oh, gosh. Um, I got a massive work ethic, um, never, ever to take anything for granted never to have a sense of entitlement you have to work you know you have to work and they always had this thing as well that you you really made you, you know you, you you sort of whatever you wanted to do you could do um mm. and to go for it I mean they taught me to read and write before I went to primary school I was four and a half and I could really? read and write which gave me a massive advantage over everyone but they weren't pushy they just did that yeah. because you know like the it's that thing of, you know, my dad was very, very bright, should have gone to uni. Oh, that's Angus chasing a, a crow. You, you're never going to catch a crow. But yeah, I think work ethic was the main thing, that you have to, you have to work, you have to work hard and you have to put in the graft. And I think that stayed with me forever and ever and ever. And I think that's probably why, you know, I have, I'm still around, you know, because I put, I put the graft in, I put the work in. You've got and were to. you, were you popular, Lorraine? I wasn't a cool kid. I wasn't one of the cool kids. Mm. I was a bit geeky. And a bit swatty and also because my mum I mean like mm. you know my mum worked mm. she worked in a shop my dad likes tellies and they worked really hard so that both myself and my brother you know we only had about two or three things to wear but they were good and they lasted you so I did get a little bit bullied at school because I was called a snob which is hilarious um and I don't know maybe there was a little bit of envy there because you know we had my mum and dad were great and they were always there for us and they were always there at parents' evenings and, you know, picking us up from school and stuff like that. Um, so, yeah, there was a little bit of that. It's sort of weird, but I was never cool. I was never in the cool gang. Um, you know, I was a bit of a dweeb, to be honest. A bit of a geek. But actually, I like being a geek. I'm quite proud of that, really. I think it's quite a good thing to be. <laughs> I don't mind that. You know, if you're a wee bit different or 
Yes. You're a little bit of an outsider or, you, you know, whatever it may be. Kids as a group, as a rump, uh, sometimes pick up on that, which is really sad. And the trouble is as well with bullying, it certainly hasn't happened to me, but I know it happens to a lot of people, is bullies don't just stop being bullies, you know, once they leave school, sadly. Mm. Uh, these people can take that into the workplace and that's what's so good about about now that's why I'm I'm you know I, I think it's great young men and women get into the workplace now if something isn't right they will they'll sing out they'll say no this is yeah. acceptable and that's fantastic that that feeling of feeling different and other sometimes that can result in you carving out your own path and you know, it can be a beneficial thing sometimes, can't totally. it? Totally, it can make you stronger. I think certainly if you look at, um, you know, I always find when I'm interviewing somebody who's interesting or, you know, they're very creative or they've achieved something incredible, usually they've had a little bit of a hard time. Not always, but usually there has been something in their life that they've got to overcome. You know, everybody always says you're, you're stronger, you know, if you, what doesn't kill you makes you stronger kind of thing. And that can be true. That can be true. Oh, look, Lorraine, Ray's eating daisies. Does Angus eat daisies? Oh, can Angus eat everything? <laughs> I, ju- I mean, I didn't want to say, but he was just whittling around there in a cow patch and he may well have had a little few crumbles. Disgusting boy that he is. <laughs> Eleven cents <laughs> for him. Oh, so, t- so tell me about, so you turned down this place at university to read, you could, you were going, your plan was to read English and Russian. Yeah, that's right, English and Russian. And, th- and then what happened? I got a job in the local newspaper. A job came up as a cub reporter in the East Kilbride News and uh, I applied and, and got the job which I was absolutely delighted uh, to do. I still think they are the sort of heart of the community if it's a good paper yeah. um, and, and yeah. I loved it. I couldn't have got a better, a better training. It was absolutely fantastic and then after that uh, I got a job at, the, at BBC Scotland. I basically applied for everything. Um, so yeah, I got a job as a researcher, yeah. which I absolutely loved. Um, but always thought, always what I wanted to do was be a reporter. That's all I wanted to do. So I had to work during the day as a researcher, and then yeah. I worked. Uh, then I worked at night as a waitress in a in a cocktail bar. <laughs> There's a song <laughs> like that. And I was so bad. I mean, like beyond bad. Oh, I was dreadful. But I got good tips just because I was I was like a comedy turn. You know, I was so dreadful. But I'll tell you what, it gave me a huge respect for anybody that does that job because it's blinking yeah. hard. It yeah. really is. I mean, the hours are so long and, you know, and people can be, people can be really lovely, but they can also be horrible. So that was, that was quite hard. But I've always worked out. I worked since I was 14. Yeah. I used to work in Chelsea Girls. Um, and I really, I really enjoyed that. I used to get a pound. I get 25 pence an hour. And I was allowed, if you were 14 and you got a special permit and you were allowed to work for four <laughs> hours on a Saturday... I'm seeing you as I might have been quite, you would have sounded like you were very together and adulted quite young. I think do you know what so. I mean by I think that? that is, yeah, I do know what you mean by that. I think because I was the oldest and, yeah. and my little brother was six years younger than me. And of course, I was a spoiled princess. And then this <laughs> child from Central Casting appeared who had the biggest blue eyes, blonde curly hair, wee chubby face, was like a cherub. And I hated yeah. him. And I was horrible to my wee brother. And I got on really, really well with him now. But he's still now and again, he'll bring up the time that I used to nip him under his wee fat arms because he was just so gorgeous and annoying. Do you think it was just jealousy? I suppose it's natural. Oh, aye, of course it was. Absolutely, of course it was. (laughs) And also wee brothers are, you know, that's their job. Their job is to be really, really annoying. Yeah, of course. And so so when you went to, um, you ended up, I was fascinated again to learn that because you covered Lockerbie. Oh, it was hellish, Emily. It was absolutely yeah. hellish. And it's really weird. Sometimes when you least expect it, like say you're in a, an airport and you're crossing the tarmac and you smell the, the fuel, you know, the, when they're refueling and you can smell it and it brings it back. It really does. It was horrendous. Yeah. I think the only way, I was quite young and also it was so surreal. And I just, I think I got through it. I think everybody got through it that was reporting on it by just thinking this is a movie. This can't be real. You know, this cannot yeah. be real. And you kind of blank it out a little bit in order to survive. Yeah. And of course, you've got a job to do. You've got to tell the story, tell people what's happening, try and make some sort of sense of it, although that story you can't. Um, but yeah. yeah, that was really bad. And you know what? I did think to myself, earlier on that year, I'd covered the Piper Alpha disaster where uh, so many people had died in that fire in the, in the oil rig in the North Sea. And I thought, that's the worst thing ever. And then I thought, well, Lockerbie, nothing can ever be as bad as that. 
but then I covered Dumblain. And that was the worst ever. Yeah. The worst ever. And I think as well, because Rosie was only two at the time. Um, mm. And that brought it home even, even more. I mean, everybody felt that. You didn't have to be a mum to, to feel the pain yeah. of the parents. But I think oh. when you've got a child of your own, it just made it an awful lot more, yeah, harder to, to bear, really. Awful. When I covered Lockerbie, um, that was in the December. And mm. that's the kind of thing about the, the kind of job that I do and the show that it is. Um, because, of course, it's it's news and current affairs, but it's different. And back then, there weren't mm. really shows. There was no 24-hour news back then. And we could be more, if you like, more involved, more like speaking to the viewers and speaking for the viewers and being there for them, if you like. Um, so yeah. after Lockerbie, I got asked to come down and do just a week. That would have been in the January, just for a week, um, to sit on the sofa, which is very strange. Angus, Angus, come here, baby. Come here. <laughs> What's he doing? Goes. He's gone behind a tree for a widow. Was that good? Oh, he does weebies everywhere. Yeah, so does Ray. I mean, he's addicted yeah. to peeing, Lorraine. I don't know what to do. Every second what he does it. What is it? What is um, it about boy dogs that they <laughs> pee on literally everything? There's not a tree, a shrub, a bush, a, a wee stick. He's got to pee on it. It's like, I don't know. It's like, I'll, I'll show you what's going on and I'm the boss. It's <laughs> hilarious. You suddenly found yourself on TVAM, you know. Yeah. And... Didn't an executive tell you your accent? Yeah, your that, that was crazy. That, that was when I worked at BBC Scotland uh, and the boss of BBC Scotland, I was working there as yeah. a researcher, but they used to send me out to do the and finalies, you know, or if they wanted to do a vox pop, like going out and talking to the public about something silly, um, they would send me because they would say, yeah. oh, they'll talk to you. So I would go and ask traffic wardens and policemen and nuns or whatever, you know, what they thought about the latest fashion or whatever it was the crazy story. So I thought um, when the boss called me into his office that I was going to get, I knew there was a job going as a reporter, um, but no, he said I'd never make it in broadcasting with my accent. Um, and back then, nobody spoke like me. Nobody spoke like lovely Eamon or like Anton Deck. You know, they just didn't. They had yeah. this sort of RP, quite posh-ish, um, and nobody really spoke like me. So I guess maybe he had a point in a sense which but, but then what was really good was uh, sometimes things are sent and at the right time there was a job going at TVAM in uh, Glasgow mm. to cover Scotland and I probably wouldn't have gone for that but I just thought well yeah. there's not going to be a future here but maybe it'll be all right there and TVAM were they were like well we need a Scottish person and I got the job so that was great. <laughs> so but again, there's the fighter pilot coming out again, you see. I Not guess, taking I no guess. for an answer. And then phoning up. I mean, I would never... Now I would have... There's no way I would phone up a TV executive and ask for a job. <laughs> for goodness sake, I'd be too shy. I'd be too shy and silly. But then, I guess, you know, when you're young, you just think, oh, well, what have I got to lose? And I think that's great. I think you should hang on to that. You should, you should never lose that sort of yeah. sense of, well, you know, nothing ventured. It is now fearlessness, isn't it? A wee bit, a wee bit. And sadly, I think I've lost that a bit, which is a shame. I think that happens to you as you get older, which is a shame. I was intimidated by by people, by the way they spoke, the restaurants that they ate in and the way that they lived their lives. That was, it's completely alien to me. So I was a little bit of an outsider, but sometimes that's no bad thing. Um, But yeah, and I still get, you know, I still sort of sometimes, I'm not very good at the whole kind of red carpet malarkey. I don't really know anybody that likes that. I mean, I don't just see how you can. You know, you, you get all done up like a dish of fish and then you parade up and down this road. I don't parade. I, 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 I sort of like keep my eyes down and run as fast as I can. Um, and I don't really like all that aspect of things. I mean, don't get yeah. me wrong, it's lovely. For me, you know, one of the great big joys of the job is getting to see movies before everybody, but not at premieres. I like to go to wee screenings and that's really, really good. Don't oh see so you can hear can you hear that big dog? Oh my gosh. Angus, oh. let's give let's give him oh, a wide bear. It sounds like Hound of the Baskervilles. Yes, yeah, the Hound of the Baskervilles. It's the biggest oh, dog I've dear. ever seen. <laughs> Come on, be mad. Social distance. <laughs> He's like Arr. I want to find out about when you met Steve. Yes. How yeah, oh, I want to know about Steve. I love the sound of Steve. <laughs> oh, he's um, great. 
I think I really get on with Steve, and not in an inappropriate way, but he just sounds like he's been a lot, uh, such a great companion, and you've got no, he's a good, good he's thing, a good man. You know? Yeah, he's a good guy, and very lucky. Did you fancy him when you were working with him and think, oh, he's nice behind the camera too? I knew as soon as he walked in. As soon as he walked ah. into the office, and of course there's only four of us, it's teeny tiny, you know, covering the whole country, yeah. how mad is that? But, um, yeah, as soon as he walked in, and we were pals, it took me a whole year. We were friends for a year. <gasps> and then we went to Glencoe to do a mountain rescue story. And we might have had a few small sherries. Oh, and there were you with it. the false eyelashes. <laughs> <laughs> no, you're, oh God, you're just in the state of me. Because, of course, I was, the thing about me was I never bothered with how I looked, which is weird for somebody who works in telly. And I was always getting into trouble yeah. for... My hair being a mess and not having any makeup on, and so I was never a glamour puss, never. Um, when you get together with the friend, which I think is a nice way of doing it because you've got to know them well, there's always got to be one who breaks cover. That was me. I just <laughs> said, "Oh, you know, I can't even remember what it was." But then he asked yeah. me out. He asked me out to go and see Dundee United against Hearts. So that was, um, yeah, that was a romantic, a romantic time, and I love football. And I loved, uh, obviously I've supported Dundee United ever since. He's a big Dundee United fan. Um, so that was great because we had a brilliant team then. And that was really good. And then we just kind of started going out. We were together all the time. And then when I, get, um, when I had to come down to TVAM to do the sofa, uh, I used to travel. I used to go home every weekend, back up to Dundee every weekend. And it worked. And my mum, I always remember my mum saying, well, you know, you work when you're together 24-7. And it works when yeah. you're apart. So clearly, it's supposed to be. And I honestly, honestly don't know what I'd do without him. It's been, uh, I mean, he's the poor soul. He's been putting up with me for years. Nearly, actually nearly 30 years. I always think there's a Laurel and a Hardy. You know, so <laughs> there's a sort of slightly quieter one, you know, who's yeah. a bit more reflective. And then there's the one who's a bit, maybe sort of, more a bullion in social situations. I'm He'll definitely stand. quieter one. Yeah, yeah I am. Really? I'm definitely quieter one. Yeah, he's he's brilliant. I mean, he's the person that you want at a party, not in a loud, annoying way. Just you know that it will be good fun, and that you'll have a laugh. And he's interesting and interested. That's the thing about Steve. He's always interested. He's like me in that sense, very curious and nosiness. Some people might call it in my my behalf, but. Yeah, he's always, he's, he, he would be the one who, he's much more sociable than me. Definitely much more sociable. Um, he'll be the one that will say, let's have folk round or let's have a party. Or... In a way, you're on every day. Do you know what I mean? Yes. You have to do that and, and you love yes. your job and that you're brilliant at it. But in a sense, it's work. You know, <laughs> when you have to do it all the time, you need to decompress sure. a bit. And socially, yeah. there's probably pressure on you. Because I think there is that thing of if you walked into a room... I think because people sort of fantasise about you being their mum or you've grown up with you and they almost feel as if they know you. Do you know what I mean? I think there's a warmth to you where I can imagine you would get slightly descended upon, you know, that everyone would want a bit of Lorraine. And maybe that's nice that he's slightly... And it's very welcome, but it's like maybe that's nice that he takes some of that pressure off in a way. Definitely. No, I think you're absolutely right. And I am much, much quieter. And obviously it's different when you're with your friends. When you're with your pals, you can totally relax and all of that. But yeah, yeah I think you're right. I think you're right. And I, and I find that very restful, you know, yeah. that he, he can do, he's, he's quite happy to do that. Because, I mean, people would be amazed probably to think that I'm in any way shy, but I really mm. am. You know, I'm really? quite shy. I don't, I don't find the, you know, it's like I was saying to you, I don't find the whole, um, celebrity in this thing I mean I don't ever think of myself as that anyway and I'm not very good I'm just going under a tunnel can you hear I'm not very good oh, at yeah. um, that whole sort of red carpety thing or anything like that I'm, I don't really do that very well what I like about you Lorraine is there's Piers Morgan I think calls you the iron fist in the velvet glove <laughs> and he's funny <laughs> I like that description because I do too I do. I think every yeah. woman should be an iron fist in a velvet glove. Right. I can yeah. ask questions, even if they're, 
you know, a little bit difficult, there's always ways you can do it. And I'm not gladiatorial. Piers is very gladiatorial. That's his style and it works very well for him. But I'm not really like that. But I'll still ask the same kind of question. And sometimes you get more with honey than vinegar. So, you know, it can, it can actually work for you. And especially if it's something quite delicate. Um, you know, yeah. somebody's had a problem in their life or a problem in their relationship and it's tough to talk about. You have to give them the space to do that. It's a little bit like I'm inviting you into my house. So I treat yeah. you when you come into the studio um, as mm. if you were visiting me at home and you have to feel comfortable and relaxed, especially when you're talking about things that are so hard um, and so personal and so important. And um, my thing is always like, especially, you know, when I was talking to you about your book and about your life, you have to go away feeling that you've done yourself proud. Um, and, you know, you have to go away feeling that, yeah, I did a good, you know, I feel happy with myself. Mm. And even if it is something really hard as well, especially if it's something really hard. So that for me is always the main thing. You know, I always say that at the end when we have our debrief, you know, I'll say, yeah. I would have said, did, did Emily go away? Was she happy? Was she all right? She wasn't. You know, she didn't find it too upsetting or whatever. Because that's, you know, because it really isn't about me. It's always about who I'm talking to. Because they're the most important person. Always. Although what I like, Lorraine, is you have that. But then the iron fist part I like is when you'll suddenly, you'll suddenly, there was that famous moment with the, uh, Jennifer <laughs> Curry, who'd had the alleged oh, relationship with woman. Boris Johnson. And then you did that normal sort of handing over, which we're all used to, where you say, oh, and meanwhile, coming up on Lorraine. And you cut to Lorraine Kelly, standing there saying, what's the point of that? Oh, what's the point of that? Say, silly woman. She came out, honestly, I couldn't believe it. And that's why I love what I do, because you know, you can do things like that. Now, it, I don't do it very often, because it takes an awful lot to get me annoyed. I am not a person that gets riled easily. She sat there simpering, and I just got really annoyed. <laughs> You? What is the point? Are you coming on here and sitting there simpering and not telling me anything? Just go away. Don't annoy me. I don't do it very often. Anyway. I really don't because then it doesn't mean anything. But you know, if you if you annoy me, I'll I'll let you know. <laughs> what would Rosie say about you as a mum? What would she say was the best oh, thing gosh. about you and the worst thing? I'm going to make oh, you do it. I think worst thing would be that I'm just ask her too many questions and I'm too interfering and I want to know everything. Um, and yeah. best thing that she knows that she actually doesn't have to tell me everything <laughs> because I think it's really important I'm her mum and not her friend because she's got yeah. her pals to talk to about everything I think I think she knows that I'm always always on her side and it wouldn't matter what she did or what she said to me or anything she knows that I would always back her and always be there for her I, I, I hope that she well she does know that for goodness sake of course she does but that's um, for me that's a given if you're a mum but sadly, you know, I know a lot of people who, for one reason or another, their parents have turned their back on them, whether it's about their sexuality or their lifestyle or whatever. And I just don't see how you can. It baffles me. I just don't get it. Mm. It's interesting, though, when you say that about the friendship thing, because I suppose, I guess it's, you know, your friends tell you what you want to hear. Your mum tells you what you need to hear. Is what I <laughs> That's very good. You know? And let's be honest, your mates often support bad life choices. Your mates will go, yeah, no one noticed you were drunk and that you know it's a great idea to go out with that guy i know i know and you're like run run for the hills very fast i know when you say you're going to text that guy who's been ghosting you your friends go yeah i'm sure he's just been busy he'd love to hear from you whereas your mum's like leave it no she's never given me any heartache really she really hasn't she's just she's a good good kid we're very very lucky I want to ask you something because you also, I love that you said in Shine Your Book, which I love, you were really honest about just that whole thing about sometimes just having down days, which everyone does, even you. Sure. You know, and oh, absolutely, absolutely. When did you last cry? Jesus, I nearly went this morning because we had this fantastic <coughs> nurse on who, uh, God love her, she's only a kid, she's only in her early 20s and she had to um, postpone her wedding in order to work on the, the front line. And, and she was, oh. we, we get a message from our gorgeous fiance and she was crying and yeah. Dr. Hillary was nearly gone as well. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, I, I do, I, I think it's all right to cry and it's all right to feel 
bad crikey especially just now for goodness sake everybody has their, yeah. their ups and downs and everybody has their bad times and everybody has their little wobbles or more than wobbles you know it, it, we all do we absolutely all do and yeah. there's absolutely nothing wrong with that whatsoever it's it's a human condition and uh, it's okay as long as yeah. you talk about it as long as you talk about it and that's really really important you know that you talk about if you're ever feeling anxious or upset I mean I I felt anxiety, obviously not as bad as anybody going through, you know, a real trauma or a, a real, you know, mental illness is a terrible, terrible thing. And we're only now beginning to understand and mm. and and be, if you like, have empathy for people who've got mental illness. That I can't, it wasn't that long ago that it was dismissed as somehow that you were weak. I mean, how crazy. It's just crazy when you think about that. So, yeah, it's about, I yeah. think it's just about acknowledging yeah. it and and talking about it making sure that you talk to your pals and don't bottle it all up because that's just crazy. Yeah. Well, actually, I found it helpful when you, I heard you talking about your miscarriage and I, fa- I have found that really helpful because, you know, I've had friends that have gone through that and it did make me think, yeah. I don't know if I've, I've sort of considered the impact as someone who hasn't experienced that, that must have had on them. And that's very helpful for other people to know that, you know. I think so. I mean, what I found really upsetting about that whole time um, and that was you know it was a long time ago um, and and it wasn't really talked about and of course nobody ever talked about the effect it would have on your partner or your husband or you know it was it was it was all kind of like you know you shouldn't really talk about these things but you've got to and what I found appalling was how common it was you know and I thought you know that, that I know people were being well-meaning they're saying oh you know what this is very common and it happens to so many people and I that just made me feel worse because I thought there's so many people that are going through this. That's horrendous. Mm. So you have to, you know, you have to kind of acknowledge these things and give them their place in your life. And and it's okay to mourn. And it's okay to mourn the, the life that you thought you were going to have. Um, and also to to make sure that your your husband or your partner's okay as well. And, and do, do you think okay. on reflection you soldiered on a bit? You know. Oh, I do. That's me. That's totally me. It's just like, no, it'll be fine, it'll be fine. I've encountered people where I feel they're investing slightly too much in in this thing, which is a job, essentially. And you just yes. think, no, keep your life separate. This is fine. But it's like you always put your ballet pumps on and you take oh, your yes. shoes off. To me, oh, that's yes. very symbolic of how you treat your <laughs> career in a way. I do. Yeah. I think it's like you're saying, this was me and this was Lorraine and it's great, but now I'm going back to Steve and Angus and... And life pumps. and proper proper life yeah and the t- I mean the first thing I usually do is take my makeup off I mean Helen who does my makeup and has been doing it for years is a genius absolute genius <laughs> but the, there's nothing better than putting your comfies on and at the moment yeah. I've just got different degrees of comfy that I'm wearing <laughs> I mean what I've got on just now is like not that bad but what I wear at home is like you know the really the horrible grey ones that have been washed and washed and washed and they've got holes in the bottom but you still wear them because they're comfy I loved it when I saw you on a show and they always ask you, who's your favourite? But I loved it when you said, oh, Kevin Spacey was a real knob. Oh, he was awful. <laughs> he was the worst. He was not a nice person. No, no, no. Do you know what it is? See, the thing your is... Your instinct was right, it turned out. Yeah, right. I know, I know. That was... Oh, I, and it was such a shame because, you know, when you when you really like their work, that like I love House of Cards. At the time, House yeah. of Cards was the big, big, big thing. Um, and he just was rude and he just... You know, and you just think, oh, mate, you know, you're an actor. Can you not just act being a nice person for 10 minutes? You know, that was, that's all we're asking you to do. But it's when I always find it's like it's not so much how people treat me, but it's how they treat the person that's bringing them a cup of tea or the person that's putting their yeah. microphone on. Or, you know, if they're if they're offhand with them and downright dismissive, then I think, nah, 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 nah. And then you, you just get somebody like Hugh Jackman where everybody round about him is beaming with happiness. And they're all so, yeah. you know, so delighted to be there because he, you know, they, they said, oh, there's cows ahead of us. Oh, Angus, no. Steve, you see, I think is probably a good benchmark as well. He's a good litmus test because whenever someone's famous and you notice people just gravitating towards that person and totally acting as if their partner isn't there and doesn't exist. Oh, I don't like and that. I That's think, so rude. Oh, it's, but I think it's really useful when you see that because you're like, okay, that you just failed. <laughs> yeah, I know what you mean. I know what you mean. Oh, we all know that there are people who really wouldn't be bothered with you if you were not on the telly, um, and that's a wee bit sad. Mind you, you see, I don't have 
celebi pals, you know, I don't really, but then no. I suppose I do, but to me they're not, it's just like my gang, you know, it's like, it would be Mark, um, who I do my fashion with, or Dr. Hillary, or, you know, any of the gang that I work with, but, they, they, but they're my work colleagues in the same way that they would be my work colleagues yeah. if I worked in a restaurant or I worked anywhere. They're your pals because they're your pals, not just because, oh, there's another cow. Have you ever had therapy? And would you uh, have No, it? I haven't. Oh, absolutely. Of course, if I needed it, you bet. I mean, why wouldn't you? Yeah. Um, you know, I, I, think, yeah. I think because anything that I've gone through, I have had Steve to talk to. I've got my mum. Mm. I've got my best friend, Joyce. We've been best friends since I was 11. Um, and so I've got people that I, that I can talk to. But having said that, if I felt that I was really, really struggling, I would have no hesitation at all in getting professional help. Um, I think it's absolutely the wise thing to do. I mean, if you had, yeah. you know, if your feet were, if your feet were weird, you go to a foot specialist, don't you? <laughs> so, I mean, you, of course, you should always, always get that. Sometimes, actually, it's, it's a good idea. You've said that you're impatient. Tell me, yeah. tell me about some Lorraine impatient moments. So what would you, when do you get impatient with um, people? Or with um, any situations? I guess if people, I think it might be the fact that I, I talk in sort of like 10 minute chunks with guests. So people not getting to the point, you know, it's like get to the point for goodness sake. Or yeah, or, or yeah, people doing, sometimes people doing interviews. Like see some of these briefings. How dare and then you? they have the questions. <laughs> you, know, they, you, know, you know these you know these briefings they have right now, and then they've got questions afterwards. And I yeah. think for the love of God, and ask a straight question and and if you don't get a straight answer, go in with the killer second question. Don't just waffle. So that annoys me. Yeah. Waffling. Yeah. Waffling annoys me. But it, but it takes I'm a lot. Absolutely lot. terrified. I'm living on the edge now. Um but no, <laughs> there you go. <laughs> also, I love that you've opened up about the menopause. It's really helpful that women are talking about it now, because there was a time when it was a secret. I know, how mad is that? It's crazy. It's going to happen to all of us. And sadly, sometimes it happens to women soon, you know, if they get ill or mm. just, you know, bad luck or whatever. Women started talking about it. We did approach a few people, a few women in the public eye, and most of them said they didn't want to talk about it because they felt that that would make people feel that they were old and I thought really? that was really sad because I mean I don't know I'm very open about it and you know I take HRT I know that doesn't work for everyone but it's been a game changer for me and it makes me feel better it gets rid of the anxiety I found I just got very anxious and that's not me and I couldn't understand it and I felt if I, I, I'd lost myself in a while it was really strange really? really bizarre so in the end what we did was uh, Dr Hillary and I just did a chat about it on the show about my experiences, he sort of interviewed me, you know, for a change. There is a queue every morning of people. It's like, <laughs> of, of, you know, I've got a sore bum, I've got a sore elbow, blah, 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 whatever, whatever. And he's just brilliant. He's so good. I think he knows me even more than my husband in many ways. He's very good. Um, but, um, yeah, we got a great response about the menopause and it got a debate going and that's, that's all you can ask, you know. If you make it easier yeah. for people and then... You know, we, we try to give facts, but we also try to give a bit of hope as well, which I think is well, really, really important. Well, I think it feels real, particularly if you're putting yourself on the line and opening up. And I think that does make a difference. You know, I know, you know, Jonathan Ross always says when he's watching people on telly, he says that's the difference between, I guess, the great and the good is people that you feel authentic and you feel, oh, that's them, you know, which is something yeah. that you have. Everyone wants you to be their mum. You're the mum that everyone wishes they'd had. <laughs> the mum that would take them out and get them incredibly drunk. <laughs> and no, because I feel you'd, you'd give me tough love advice. Yeah, like no, that's true. You'd, I would. I would. You'd, you'd, you, there'd be the odd um, uh, Boris Johnson's alleged girlfriend moments where you'd say, what are you talking about? What's the point of that? Yeah. And what, I'd what freeze. You but then I think you'd that's give true. me hugs and you'd love me and look oh, after sure. me. This is weird. I'm asking you to be my mother, Lorraine. It's all gone a bit strange. Um, but it's all fine. I'm very happy to so do. <laughs> I was very impressed. In addition to your OBE and all your other accolades and achievements, you're an ambassador. Um, not in the traditional Ferrero Rocher sense of the word, but you're an ambassador for um, Tails.com, which is oh, a... Oh, Tails, it's lovely. Uh, tell me about Tails then. Well, it's just it's just a great idea. Is it a, you can order food from them. 
Yeah, 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 yeah. And loads and loads of advice, which is smashing. And what, what I think makes it really special is when you order the food, it comes to you, but it says it says the name of your dog on it. So it's tailored to your oh, dog. It does. Like, yeah, which is great. So Angus gets Angus gets treats sent with Angus on it and food sent with his name on it. And obviously, because all dogs are different. There you are, you're cuddling your wee dog and having to carry him. So he needs different food to Angus, who's always on the go, you know, typical border terrier running about like a, a wee crazy yeah. thing. So yeah, it's all about tailoring the food to your specific dog. Um and the, and of course, right now. Being able to do that online is just such a joy, you know, to be able to do that, to just and know that it's going to get to you and yeah. you're not going to run out. I think that's really good and it's just dead easy. I mean, anything that's going to be oh. easy for you. And he loves it. He loves his wee sticks in the morning and he loves his treats. He really likes things with beetroot in them, which I, I have to say that I so don't. So it's a like. subscription you... service, basically. Yeah, yeah, you sign up. But as well as that, it's kind of like, you. yeah, here you go, just giving him a treat. Um, you kind of are part of a community. And you know what? He, he does actually, he'd run around all day and his wee coats and a really good, apart from the fact that it's huge because he's not being, he's not being stripped or he's not being groomed, but he, he just, he just looks great. So it's good. And it is, it's that thing of if you've got any worries, they've got a vet that you can get in touch with. And especially yeah. just now, there's a real kind of online community and it's a good, yeah, it is. It's just really good. Anything, you know what it's like, we do anything for, always oh, want to go back in the water. What are you doing? Well, there's, you, a, there's a lot You said a nice thing about um, Angus, which I love. You said, which I related to having lost my family, you said when Rosie left and you got Angus, you said it was nice yeah. to have another heartbeat in the house. And that, Absolutely. that I'm not going to lie, it made me well up a bit. I know, it's true though, isn't it? I think it's really, really important. And it's somebody, you know, I, I take care of him, I look after him and I want the best for him. And I think that's really, really, really important. And yeah, I just, because we've all got that in us, isn't it? We want to nurture and, and care for them. But do you know what? He gives me back much, much more than I give him. You know, I mean, I might give him food and, you know, a nice place to, well, he can basically, he basically sleeps wherever he likes. I know that you're not supposed to do that, but he can go wherever he wants. Does he yeah. get on the bed with you and stay? Oh, anger. Of course, of course. He's done that since he was a puppy. Usually he does that when I've just changed the, the duvet and spent like 15 <laughs> minutes battling to get it on and then he comes running in with his wee muddy paws and you just think oh but you can't be you look at that wee face you cannot be cross it's impossible to be cross with that wee face you're a bit of a neat freak Lorraine as well I am so. I am I am I'm terrible that that's interesting I like neat control, freaks because control, is it? it's all about control I think so and especially in times like this where we don't really have control over great big giant things but we do have control over how neat our knicker drawer is. And mine is a thing of beauty and joy. It's so neat. It's colour coordinated. It's, I've got my big knickers and my wee knickers, depending on what sort of state my bottom is. And yes, it's, it's a joy. It's very good. You heard it here first, everyone. Rain Kelly's knicker joy is a thing of beauty and joy. A thing okay? of beauty and joy. Absolutely. So, but that's interesting. I'm, I'm envious of... Are you type A, Lorraine? Do you know what I mean by that? Those people that are very driven and tidy and organised and those are my heroes because... I guess I am a little bit, but I think I don't, I don't want to be that, that stiff and unyielding and unbending. Yeah. You know, I like to sometimes let my hair down. Um, yeah. I don't do it as often as I used to. But yeah, I think that's important as well. I think you've got to, you've got to have fun. You know, I think sometimes you can go along a road or, you know, along train tracks and you're very focused and, and all of that. But sometimes you just need to, you just need to get a little bit drunk and a little bit silly. Because yeah. that's important as well, you know. And, and, and also, I think what's, what this whole madness has taught us is, you know, we always say it and it's true about friends and family. But, oh my goodness me, I miss my mum and dad. And I obviously miss my daughter. I miss cuddles. I mean, Angus is not a cuddly dog. Is he not? But no, he's not. Well, border terriers generally are not cuddly. You know, he won't sit in your knee that much. And I have been cuddling him, and he's kind of tolerating it, but he's not that happy about it. And you can see me. He goes all stiff and Scottish. You know, he goes all kind of like, oh, okay, then you can cuddle me, but will you please not take too long? <laughs> I've, I've lived with people like that before. <laughs> he doesn't really like it, but he'll he'll put up with it. He'll put up. But with that's it. probably quite good, you see, because I think. Ray, I've I've sort of made him. I mean, he is cuddly, um, but uh, but I think I don't oh, want gorgeous. him to be sort of. I know, but I think I'm turning him into the sort of Anthony Perkins 
you know, in psycho. That's my fear, Lorraine. <laughs> <laughs> oh, they'll be so... No, he'll be fine. He's gorgeous. He's got a great wee nature. He's so cute. He's like a wee pyjama case. He's beautiful. I always say to people, what do you most worry people will say about you when you leave the room? And what do you hope they'd say? I hope they say she's a laugh and she's really funny and I want to spend more time with her. I would hate people to say that she's really boring and really dull and I, and I, can't, and I really can't be arsed with her and I don't want to hear any more of her nonsense. I think that would be terrible. <laughs> I'd be, I'd be Lorraine, devastated. I'm sorry to tell you. <laughs> <laughs> what did your mum say when you got the OBE? Was she thrilled? Oh, they were. Both of them, my mum and my dad. I mean, it was just like, oh my God. And when, when it happened, it was it was with the Queen, which is amazing, um, in Edinburgh. Oh, shut up. And you didn't get the Queen. Just, <gasps> I got the Queen. I got the Queen. And do you know what? My mum afterwards, my mum said, oh, my God, what did she say to you? She was chatting away. And I was, I don't know. You know that way when you're so nervous that in your ears, yeah. all you can hear is your own pulse going, da, 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 like your heart beating. <laughs> um, and, and I was crying and I couldn't hear a thing she said. She couldn't be saying anything. She couldn't be saying, you know, we, we would like to welcome you into our family and, you know, you can you can marry Harry or something. <laughs> Could you imagine? <laughs> can you imagine her sitting in Buckingham Palace saying, that's very rude of Lorraine Kelly not to get back to me when I made her that very generous <laughs> offer. Oh, I couldn't hear it. I couldn't, just couldn't hear what she was saying. But she's so teeny tiny and she's just like, it was like, being in front of the whole of Great Britain, you know, this, this little <laughs> tiny lady. And it was fantastic. And it was a great excuse, any excuse for a party. So it was terrific. It really was. It was a lovely, lovely day. It's one of those days you want to put in a little box and put a ribbon on it. And then when you're feeling a bit down, open it up yeah. and remember it. You know, it was just great. It was great. Would you say you were an optimist or a pessimist? I think I'm an optimist. Um, yeah, I would always say that. I would always say that, that I always try to find the light even in the worst possible scenario, you know, I always try and, you know, and sometimes I'm, I would imagine sometimes that can be very irritating, but I do try. I should let you get on with Angus now. What are your plans? Are you going back home now? And is he going to have a bath? Yeah. You give him a bath? Uh, yeah, he's been in the water. He's absolutely minging. Um, he smells weird. <laughs> um, so, yes, I'm going to give him, I'm going to give him a right good old scrub um, and then dry him. And of course, just now it takes ages for him to dry because he's, his wee fur is so long. It's been lovely and we'll do it again properly. When all this is over, we'll just go for a proper, proper walk and a right good blather. Bye, Ray, my wee lamb. <laughs> Bye, baby. I really hope you enjoyed listening to that and do remember to rate, review and subscribe on iTunes.